0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin. Proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Last week for Cantate Sunday, Sing Worship Sunday, Uh, we heard Jesus teach us that everything the Father has, he declares to us. Worship is not from me to God, but God to me. And if that's true, we might ask, well, what about prayer? Prayer is me talking to God. There's an evangelical cliche that that says prayer is a two-way street. It's only partly true in the way that many people understand it is that you, you first talk to God and, and then, you, then you have to shut up and listen. It's actually the other way around. Uh, Paul says in First Timothy, everything is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. From his word, you are sanctified. Sanctified by the truth. Your word is truth. And then because he invites you to draw closer to him, you speak as you are spoken to. Prayer then is responsive. First you hear, then you speak. Now most of us, myself included, probably have a difficult time praying. We know God commands us to pray, we know God promises to hear us, and yet we still struggle to do it. There's a 4th century Christian monk uh, whose vocation, among other virtuous things, was to read scripture and pray. And he was asked, what is the, the most Difficult, uh, what work, what Christian or virtuous work is the most difficult? What, what work is the hardest? And he answered, There's no labor greater than that of prayer to God. For every time a man wants to pray, his enemies, the demons, want to prevent him. For they know that it is only by turning him from prayer that they can hinder his journey. Prayer is warfare to the last breath. The habit of prayer is hard. And on top of that, we've been conditioned by our modern rationalistic society to only do what's pragmatic. Prayer doesn't seem very pragmatic. I can fix all my problems on my own. And so we feel ignorant or foolish or naive if we pray anywhere else but in church where most people can't see it. And this rationalistic idea is actually the problem Jesus' disciples have in our gospel lesson. Jesus is giving them his parting words. Right after this, he'll be taken captive in the Garden of Gethsemane and crucified. They thought he's merely giving them a a, a pep talk, uh, simply explaining some some pragmatic concepts for for life. Pray to God and, and all your wishes will come true. And their reaction Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Jesus. Now we know that you're speaking plainly. Now we know what to do. We got this. What happens next? They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus tells them to pray. And they fall asleep. So I'm going to do something this morning that I usually don't do. I'm going to give you a few things you need to know about prayer. But don't think that if you do this, if you pray, you got this. You don't. You and I don't got anything. And that's the first thing you need to know about prayer. We pray because we are in need of everything. Prayer is not for those rare times in life when things are too hard and we need a little bit of help. But for every moment. It's like speaking a language. But also like speaking a language, prayer doesn't come naturally. Most people have the impression that Christians should should automatically know how to pray. And so some people get really un- uncomfortable and, and intimidated when in the presence of someone who actually is comfortable praying. You know, you, you get somebody the side eye if you know if they if they pray and they don't feel weird about it. So so how do you do this? How do you how do you learn how to pray? How do you be comfortable praying? Harold Sankwell, in uh, his book, Care of Souls, uh, points out that the ancient Greeks had a word for exercise, ascesis. The Greeks were, of course, great believers in fitness of all sorts, uh, moral fitness, physical fitness, intellectual fitness. That, uh, those three things for them was the peak, if you were fit morally, intellectually, and, and physically. <clears throat> and the Greek word for exercise, ascesis, Well, that's where we get the term ascetic, someone who prays a lot. So the second thing to know about prayer is that prayer is like exercise. You observe and then you repeat. Now, I'll admit that if there's one thing I'm better at than excuses, it's excuses, (laughs) making Excuses. And I especially do that with exercise. Most often our excuses for not praying, uh, just like our excuses for for many other things, coming to church and so on, uh, tend to be pretty lame. You know, I'm I'm too tired, too busy, got too many things going on. And Martin Luther once said that I have so many things to do today that I'm going to need three hours in prayer just to get it all done. Of course, how this looks in in your daily life, the repetition part, the the discipline of the exercise of prayer, well, just like exercise, it's going to look different from person to person uh, based on your personality and circumstance. A discipline or approach to prayer uh, may even look different at times in your life than than at other times, just like exercise does. And if you want some more practical ways to go about prayer, let me know and and I can help you. But like exercise, it all begins with observing. And if you want to exercise, you know, if you want to learn how to play a sport, the best place to go is probably, you know, not the five-year-olds playing soccer, uh, but you watch the professionals, right? You go to professionals. Now, where do you observe good quality prayer? Right here. Notice that in our rogate prayers this morning, we, we bounce back and forth between Scripture Usually those were from the Psalms, which are the prayer book of the Bible, right? And, and colics, which are prayers that collect all the thoughts from Scripture, and they turn them around into a prayer that we speak back to God. Uh, we, we speak back as we are spoken to. And as you did, as you read with me the colic uh, in the hymnal, uh, those are, by the way, where we get our collects for every Sunday of the church here. Um, our colleagues always begin by speaking to God what he has promised in his word, and, and you did that this morning. And it's, um, you know, sometimes you'll hear it chanted, I'll chant it, and it's a Lutheran thing to chant it. You'll, you'll know the introduction when we're speaking back to God what he's spoken to us because it's always chanted in a high voice. And, and then after that, we move into a petition, the asking, the rogate part. And we're always asking for, for temporal blessings based on that which God has promised, And and then we ask for eternal blessings based on that which God has promised, and and those I I chant in a a low voice. And then after that, we we close. And the closing, uh, the doxology, is in again in a high voice. So you can can recognize these different parts by by the tone. Um, and, And this closing is done exactly as Jesus taught us to do in our gospel lesson. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit, who together is one true God now and forevermore. Amen. Of course, <clears throat> some of this, the, the format, the words, uh, it may make you feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable because, right, that, that's not how I would say it. That's not how I talk. Uh, that's not how I would pray. I don't use those formal words in daily life. But that's not a bad thing they might not be my words, but they might just be the words I need. You know, if exercise makes me uncomfortable, that usually means it's working, right? Think of it this way. If it were left up to me to pray, what would my prayer most often look like? God, give me this. God, give me that. God, take away that thing that I don't like, right? That's a prayer, but it's not a prayer based on the word of God, but on my feelings. And my feelings are corrupt. They know what I need sometimes, but more often than not, they deceive me. And how did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven. Not my Father, but our Father. Even if you're praying at home alone, you still pray in the plural. Our Father. It's not just for you and your felt needs, but for what God tells you is important. Not just for you, but for everyone. And when you pray like this, you are always praying with others, even if you're praying alone. It can't be a private prayer. The more time a Christian spends away from the body of Christ, away from the congregation, away from church, the less their prayers look like this, though, and the more they enter into themselves, and and they block out the rest of the world, and they block out God. They focus only on on their felt needs. Uh, They begin to view the world and and God in terms of how they feel. Prayer then becomes a means to an end, a way to to bend God to do your will. Um, That's why we need each other physically. Why we need to be gathered around the Word of God and prayer. We need it. God's Word allows us to view the world not through our own corrupt eyes and our own corrupt senses, but through God's eyes. How God views things. So here's the third thing to know about prayer. Prayer is not you bending God to do your will, not you forcing God to do what you want, but God inviting you to know and believe his will. Thy will be done. And he doesn't force you, he loves it into you. Through prayer formed by the word of God, God draws you closer to a right and more holy understanding. In our gospel lesson, this is what Jesus is doing. He says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. <clears throat> now I'm going to leave the world and go to the Father. Even though he's going to leave them visibly, uh, nevertheless, he, he's drawing them closer. Even though he will not be with them visibly, he will be with them in ways that they can, cannot possibly understand. And notice, too, that even if you pray alone at home, in the car, in the office, or wherever you are, the R in our Father includes Jesus. Jesus is praying with you. And Jesus is praying for you. And this is wonderful, the most comforting thing to know about prayer. Because you and I face more things, we face more battles than what we see or what we feel. You know, if we are Christians, if you are a Christian, then you will be afflicted by the devil. Christians are tempted, like the, like the disciples, to, to believe that if we prayed, it should be pragmatic and, and something should happen, that our lives would automatically be better. But prayer is not just a convenient way to escape problems. It's our lifeline to God himself, when we come under fire. So the final thing to know about prayer is that prayer, meditation, and spiritual warfare are a package deal. The devil tries to afflict us. You will face spiritual attacks. Prayer will be hard. However, Luther saw all these attacks as a blessing because nothing the devil do, can do is ever outside of the Lord's will. Luther called the devil the, the Lord's fool, who always inadvertently does what the Lord wants, who always does the Lord's will. So, armed with the word of God and prayer, and with Jesus praying for you and with you, the worst thing the devil can do to you No matter what plague or affliction the devil hurls at you, the worst thing the devil can do to you is actually teach you to love and know God's will more. And teach you to love and know God's word more. The word of God generates prayer. God tells us to pray because we are in great need. We constantly need to be exercised The Word of God tells us what we need, and finally, with eyes open to our needs, prayer connects us with God Himself, who gives us what we need, and He gives it to us in Jesus' name. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.